I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. Welcome back. Uh, if you recall, at the beginning of this year, I started a mini-series that was called The Remarkable Women of the Middle East. And that surprisingly got massive, massive appreciation from our listeners. Beautiful stories of amazing women. And so I thought maybe I could continue a tiny bit more on this series and bring you the most remarkable of them all. So today, my guest is Mona Katan. Mona is... Let's start with the formal introduction. Mona is the global head of Hoda Beauty, of HB Investment, and of Khayali, some of the top beauty companies and investment companies, and some of the best perfumes on earth. She also is a a celebrity with more than uh, two and a half million followers on the internet. Uh, She is on TV all the time. She's very loved by the Middle East community. And uh, all of that actually does not matter to me at all, because once the cameras are off and uh, I sit with Mona as a human, she is the most wonderful soul ever. And in my heart, what you see on camera and all of the fashion and beauty and elegance when you, <laughs> <laughs> when, you. you when you when you really really look deep inside and find such a beautiful humble wonderful soul that in my view is what's remarkable every time i sat with mona she either dispensed some uh, incredible wisdom making it look like a joke or she just made the conversation light and wonderful and joyful. Whatever happened, it was always, whichever interaction, a meeting, a WhatsApp message, there was joy. So today I'm bringing you joy. Uh, Mona Qattan Al-Amin. Oh my God, you're so sweet. It is the truth. You I love are... you. <laughs> I really it's, do love you. The, it is the truth. I just want to like, okay, stop recording. I'm going to hug this you. <laughs> like, we're done. You're so sweet. Like, Thank you like, so this much. Is it. This, is the, this is the podcast. That means yeah. the world to me, coming it from you especially. Truth. Thank it you. Is the you are joy. You, you, you are happiness. You know what? When I Thank completely, you. completely started to like sign on the dotted line and say, this is the most adorable person on the planet. You may actually not remember. When I was on your podcast and your dad walked in. Do you remember that moment? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Can I be honest? I mean, Middle Eastern fathers in general, should I say that, are pieces of shit. Okay. <laughs> I mean, not, not in a bad way. We're very responsible, okay? But we're very restrictive of our wonderful young daughters. It is part of the culture and part of the habit that the father's role is more protection any empowerment. Mm. And so, of course, among my Middle Eastern friends, a woman would normally sort of go like, yeah, I, I love and respect my dad, uh, but it's been tough sometimes. It's not, it's not unusual yeah. in any other culture in the world, but I'd say maybe because I'm exposed to the Middle East, it's a little more common here. You love your dad. Yeah. You call him your, your superhero. Yeah. And you're like literally uh, with him everywhere. Yeah. 
what's up? <laughs> was, was, was he like a good dad or are you like a fantastic daughter? Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fantastic daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's> the- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, he's a wonderful dad. You know, he's... um. He's been such a great, you know, support my whole life for me, my family, all of us. And I think just because we've we've grown up in different cities our whole lives, like we moved around so much, it brought us closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but ever since I was born, we've been so close. Like he's my best friend till today. You were born in the U.S.? Yes, I was You're born originally in... Originally Iraqi? Originally Iraqi, yeah. And you, you were raised here in Dubai? I moved to Dubai when I was 17. Oh, that's not raised at all. Yeah, so I it's actually was actually quite traumatizing if you think about it. <laughs> it was very traumatizing. Yeah. I actually had like a huge culture shock when I moved here because I actually moved to Sharjah, not Dubai. Okay. So it was like a big change from the U.S. So um, yeah, lots of changes. But I think every time we moved, we got even closer together because mm. um, we lived in Tennessee, then we moved to Massachusetts, and then to Sharjah, and then like now Dubai. But you know, I think just with life, I we just kept getting closer. And, you know, till today, like, he's just the person I'm probably the closest to. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, I feel so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so, so, so can I, it's, can I... it's dysfunctional a little bit. But, um, <laughs> Is it? I think trying? a little bit, yeah. Of like, course it has I mean, to be, even, otherwise I would not believe you. Right? Like, even now, I'm fitting out a new office for me and my team, and I made an office for him there. Like, I always want him to be mm-hmm. there around, so... um. Yeah, but, you know, he's a great father, and um, I don't know. I just, I feel like I love both of my parents. Like, I love my mom, too. Don't get me wrong. She's amazing. But me and my dad, we've just always had this weird connection, and he's probably the polar opposite of me. He's like this. I thought so. I thought yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> he's this very, like, loud and kind of um, just, like, funny person who's just, uh, yeah, he's different. But um, we've always been so close. So, so, so was he restrictive? He was very protective growing up, like very protective, especially over me, because I'm the youngest child in the family. So um, he'd always be so worried and like he he never wanted to let me go anywhere. He'd always be like, if you go somewhere, you have to go with Huda um, because she's a year and a half older than me. So he felt like she was always protecting me. But um, it wasn't until we moved to Dubai and then he like gave me freedom. Mm -hmm. And then he stopped being overprotective and I stopped lying to him. <laughs> and I Which started you were doing before. <laughs> yeah, I used to have to lie about everything. Even going to the movies, I'd have to like lie about it. And he was just too, too worried. He has a lot of anxiety. Like he's still t- till today, he's a very anxious person. But after moving to Dubai, he just calmed down. And then we became like still like very close, but we became more best friends. And I told him everything. Like even if I liked a guy, I would tell him, I'd get mm. his opinion. You know, like he just became a lot more open-minded and I think less worried. I think growing up in the States, he was always worried about us. Mm. Um, Just like he, I think for him, just being in a foreign country that's not Arabs, not Muslims, he was Mm. always worried we'd get involved in things. Um, But it's kind of the same everywhere. (laughs) I believe so. (laughs) You know, but um, but he changed and I think that was wonderful for our relationship. Did you you think you had a a role to play in changing him? Mm, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think that, you know, our relationship definitely made him a lot, um, from what my mom tells me, he became a lot softer, a lot more patient. Yeah, I think I definitely changed him. Mm. Yeah, I think he became a lot more, yeah, I guess just loving when I was born. That's what my mom says. Before that, he was a little Mm. bit too aggressive, you know, kind of your typical Iraqi dad who's just like macho a little bit. Um, 
not as loving, you know? So my mom always tells me, like, when you were born, you, me and Huda both, because we were kind of like chapter two. Mm. You know, they had um, my brother, my sister Alia, my brother Khalid, um, about 12 years before me. Okay. And then they had Huda and me. So um, my parents and I have a pretty big age gap. Like, my Mm. dad's turning 80 this year. Ah, next next week good always, <laughs> yeah, yeah so um you know he definitely evolved over time but i think our relationship probably brought out the sensitive side to him i can see that i mean when we sat down and you saw my uh, lovely little explosive <laughs> <love> it. <laughs> it's so cute yeah. you don't understand my my bedroom is full of teddy bears and stuffed animals my husband thinks i'm a weirdo <laughs> but he accepted it you wouldn't believe that for a very long time i never bought pillows for really? my uh, for my sofas yeah That's cute. I, I thought uh, soft toys were much nicer they're actually. much nicer yeah, and i'm you, obsessed if you, if you like this them... brings a lot more joy yeah absolutely than a pretty pillow this yeah, is so but, cute yeah, but this one was given to me by my son by Ali and I wasn't always like I am now believe it or not I was a horrible human being oh no I don't believe that at all I was never really horrible but I was very driven and aggressive uh, not aggressive shrewd I would say no time rushing 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 and and you know as, as you can imagine with the pressures of life I think when Ali was in his early teens every now and then the stress would take over me and then I would explode somehow and so on my birthday (laughs) (laughs) on my birthday he got me this angry bird and he he was basically sort of like in in his very typical Ali way he was like uh, Papa um it reminds me of you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I really took the hint, oh my actually. God, that's so, so funny. The, you know, well, him and Aya, the way they, I mean, Aya was very vocal all the time, but, mm. you know, the, the way they sort of gave me feedback mm. uh, would always lead me to improve. You, you also speak so highly of Mr. Lucky uh, Hassan. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. you, you know, again, I, one of the things I love about you is how. In a way, it's also part of your brand that you let people into your life and what you're doing and you'd be recording a YouTube video and Hassan would walk in and kiss you yeah. and leave. And, you know, <laughs> it's like very, very chill. And I yeah. love that. I love the, the, we'll talk about it, you know, the wedding uh, collection that you made for of perfumes together and so on. But Hassan's introduction into your life with your dad, uh, how did that work? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, to be super honest, it was just like probably a month after Hess and I started like getting to know each other and he came to my house and um, my dad is always over, like mm. always. <laughs> um, he lives right across the street now because yeah. I was like, I want you close by all the time. So we, me and Hassan were going for a walk on a beach, on the beach, and um, we ran into my dad. Oh. <laughs> and Hassan was like, did you plan this? And I was like, no, <laughs> we're just always together. So, and then my sisterhood is my neighbor. So she was like, oh, come in and have a bite. And then we all had a bite together and Hassan meets my dad, my mom, the whole family, like month one. And um, my parents are funny. They are start they start arguing and fighting. <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, your family has no like formalities." It's like, "Nope." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, "What no. you see is what you get." We're crazy, and like you know, we're just very like open people. But yeah, he he met them so early on in the relationship, which I think is great because for me, I don't like hiding things. I don't like. I don't like distance in my relationship. You know, I just feel like if you're gonna get to know someone, show them all of you, and figure out whether it's a you know, whether you're the right connection or not, so you can move on quickly, you know? So, yeah, yeah, he met them right away, and um, my father... still stayed. Yeah! (laughs) There you go. He's a trooper. No, he's not. He's a strong man. (laughs) I I, I love that you 
also sometimes when asked you, you speak openly that marriage is not easy and that, yeah. you know, it's work. And again, from a celebrity point of view, aren't you supposed to make it always look fancy and perfect on social media? And I mean, I don't really consider myself a celebrity at all. Like every time you say that, kind of like, two and like me. Mi- <laughs> two no. and a half million followers. But it's, it's social media, right? Like it's so different. And I grew up on social media like... As soon as I was in university, I was in Facebook. Like, it's just, it's always been my nature. Even before that, it was like MSN. Like, for me, it's like friends, you know? Like, it's your community. Is it really? I feel that are, way. Are you saying I'm, I'm not good? I mean, I, like, I have like 120,000 or whatever. You are legendary. You're, you're more than a social media star. You're an author. You're changing people's lives. You're inspiring people. Like, you know, it's different. But for, for social media following, I feel like it's your community. It's like an extension of your friends, you know, and like mm. there are people who like what you like, they care about what you care about. They're just, um, yeah, it's a community thing. So I don't consider myself a celeb. And I also feel like when you become popular or known off of social media, it's your job to keep it real because that's the only reason why people follow you. They're not following mm. you because you're a famous actress or you're an author, you know, like maybe that's why people have interest in what you're doing. But with you, it's also different because it's like your work is inspiring itself. It's not just like a fiction book it's like it's real life stuff so um yeah i think i have to keep it real mm. i never want to pretend like things are perfect nothing's perfect nothing at all i wish but no it's not <laughs> every time i'm like oh i think life's going good right now it's like damn oh yeah <laughs> nope <Yeah. laughs> like here's the yeah. challenge for you but yeah marriage is not perfect not mine not my parents not anybody i know you know nothing's perfect so what what would make it joyful though It is joyful. My marriage is joyful. My parents, so I don't want to comment on that. Um, I think making I mean, it joyful. In, 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 when he's in, eight, in his 80s and they're still married, yeah, it, it yeah. must be amazing, right? I mean, I, I don't want to comment on their okay. marriage. I'm committed to making my marriage joyful because I did grow up seeing my parents' marriage, which I think like many people our generation, you know, our parents didn't learn healthy communication, problem solving, conflict resolution. So like for me, I always said, if I get married, I want to have a healthy relationship. I want to have a strong marriage and one with passion and commitment. And yeah, you know, there's no such thing as perfect. We've been married now for like a year and almost a half, but we've had bumps in the road and we, I'm sure we will continue to. And After every bump, we've gotten closer, you know, because like mm. we've confronted each other with something we didn't like, something that was making us unhappy. And I've realized now that like admitting things are not perfect actually brings you closer and makes things more perfect, funny enough. Mm. Do you have a secret? Because in my view, uh, after all of those years, I found that the easiest way is very, very open communication. And mm. then the man does what the woman says, right? So, so <laughs> I wish it works. <laughs> really, Hassan doesn't do that. Okay. So <laughs> I wish he did. That. So what's the secret no, then? No, I wouldn't say, like, I don't think I have a secret, if mm. I'm honest. I don't have a secret because I don't have a perfect marriage. You know, it's like, it's great. And we do find joy in it. Um, and we work on it constantly, but of course it can improve and I hope it continue, you know, I think it's work, it's committing to making it work and committing to make sure that you both are giving your best. I think that's the secret and with anything, right? Like mm. whether it's business, whether it's a partnership, whether it's a project you're working on, I think the best results are going to be when you're committed to keep trying, keep improving, keep innovating, problem solving together. So it's just like you have to have that desire mm. to want to improve all the time mm. and keep going. You know, I think once that desire is gone, 
then it just can't work. Even if one person wants it so bad, it's like it has to be two people That's together. That's such an interesting statement, actually. Yeah. So I, I find that most relationships would only break when one or both, at least one of the two sides goes like, not worth my yeah. investment anymore. If one person's out, it will never work. Yeah. It's got to be two people fully committed to making it work and wanting to to really just give your all. Marriage is hard. Relationships in general are yeah. hard. Like not even marriage, like relationships are hard. I mean, I got married at 36, which is older for our culture. Oh, I went oh, through in, so in, many. In five years time, you'll get married? <laughs> You're yeah. so sweet. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much. No, but like, you know, it took me a long time to find the one. And um, I went through a lot of... You found a good one though. An amazing one. You yeah. know, he's such a great guy. Um, but I went through a lot of hard relationships. I went through a lot of mistakes. I went through a lot of, yeah, just relationships that if I, I think if I would have gotten married to those people, that it definitely would have ended, you know, for mm. sure. Like they mm. were not the right fit. I didn't know what I was doing. And I think that, you know, life has changed so much and um, it's become more complicated. Mm. So I feel like with that, marriage is more complicated. Relationships are more complicated, but we're not really given like a handbook of like how to deal. Yeah. yeah. That's your next book. You need to write about like how to have nobody, a healthy relationship. Nobody believes you. Yeah. Nobody believes you. Actually, if you look back, but, and, and maybe it's also a bit arrogant to think that there are, there are, you know, silver bullets. There aren't any. I mean. There's no such thing. Yeah. There are, there are general in my mind when I try to understand something, I, you know, I turn it into economic rules, basically, mm. or mathematical rules. And there are economics and math, you know, predictable behaviors that mm -hmm. come in marriage and relationships mm -hmm. and love and romance and so mm -hmm. on. Every time I present them to people, they go like, ah, come on, Mo, you know, you don't. I believe in it. Um, yeah. You know, I did a lot of homework before I got with Hassan. Mm -hmm. Like I did a lot of work on myself and I did like a value analysis of him. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what are our values? Are we compatible? Like That's understanding Im these things. Immensely important. Yeah, yeah. You know, I did a lot of work on myself and I do believe there's a lot of things you can do ahead of getting into a relationship to understand whether it will have a more probable successful outcome or not. You know, of course there's like that 30%, which is chemistry, you know, that's something that I guess is only felt in person. Right. But, um, there's like 70%, which I think is data. <laughs> is it? I think so. So so that brings me to paradoxes because you are full of them. Am I? Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like you, the, the Mona I know is just pure joy. Aww. You're, you're always I smiling. You and I love that. Thank you. You're, you're always smiling. Oh you're God, always you having so a good time. You're always Your hugging. Your coffee is joy. I just, did you see mm. my coffee? Uh, mm. Mona is uh, testifying to my coffee, guys. Uh, the best. Yeah. So, so we, I was, that was my retirement plan. Let's do it. I'm not going to retire. I'm going to like <laughs> be there every single day. I was going to make a, a cafe and a pie. Uh, you should do it. Because I make, um, I make serious pies. Stop it. And, and what I kind will, of pie? Apple pie? Every pie. I will make you one pecan of pie? my date and pecan oh my and, and cardamom Perse pie. Oh my God, stop. 
Uh, you don't know how much do, I love cardamom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cardamom. I'm obsessed with cardamom. You add date oh my God, to, to so cardamom in, mm. on, a, on a crusty pie and it's just wow. incredible. So my, my, uh, my in, intention originally was to only allow people who really love pie and people who really love coffee in. Oh. So, so I would have the Sign choice of, yeah, so of someone walking Membership. in. Membership. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Someone walking in and then I go like, no, you don't seem to like, like coffee enough. Like the soup. Did yeah, you watch the soup. episode? <laughs> <laughs> Seinfeld, yeah. That was so funny. I love that. You should do it. I, I want to, but I, I, I realized I'm never going to retire, sadly. I think that's uh, currently my view, which <laughs> if, you, if you remember when in Soul mm. for Happy, which was Ali's prediction, basically, that I will never stop working. It's quite, yeah. quite interesting. But let's go back to your paradoxes, uh, uh, young lady. So you, you work like a maniac. A little like, bit. <laughs> yeah, you're working all the time. Yeah. Right? Which in a very stressful mm. environment, in a global responsibility mm. with a ton of disciplines. So you're in an investment, you're, you're designing perfumes yourself, you're running parts of the global side of Hoda Beauty. You're, I'm not as involved in that anymore, to oh, be honest. Okay. Yeah. No, now I'm just like fully focused on KLE. Yeah. Because like, it's growing amazing. and I want to like focus and I do believe that, you know, for it to have the best potential, I need to like fully focus. So it's, okay. it's majority of my focus now. Yeah. But then, but then with all of that, every time you showed up and you're not pretending, you're actually joyful, right? Mm. How do we keep that balance? I mean, I learn from people like you. You no. know, no, really. I'm a grumpy old man. No, you're not. <laughs> you're so like, you're so amazing. And even like your book, the things that you teach, you know, about like happiness, really, it's a mindset, mm. you know, and like being joyful is a mindset. Mm. It's gratitude. Like you talk about all the time. It's like, mm. just be grateful for what you have. You immediately have joy. And um, I think it's conditioning. Like it's a muscle. Like everything is a muscle. Like you have to have a happiness muscle. Mm patience muscle, tenacity muscle, like keep going, you know, a work muscle. So it's like you have to repeatedly work on showing that side of yourself and it's conditioning. So I think, you know, I, I'm really a big believer in self-development. Like I'm obsessed with self-development since I was 14. Like I went through kind of a, well, actually 13, I moved for the first time. It was like a big move from Tennessee to Massachusetts. So I started, um, listening to like Tony Robbins CDs and mm. stuff like that. Um, I think I experienced my first depression at that age because I was so, it was so hard for me. Like moving was really hard. And then I realized at that age, I was like, you have a choice. You have to be either like sitting on the couch all day eating romaine noodles <laughs> and watching episodes, series, which I did for a while. I did mm. for like six months and it was not fun. And Or I have a choice to like, create goals and change myself and choose who I want to be. And I was like, I want to choose to be what I want to be, which is like the best version of yourself, which, you know, joy is an important factor of that. And I do believe, you know, if you make a conscious effort to be joyful, happy, grateful to everyone around you, you bring out the best in them and it's a circle. Then they bring out the best in you and it's, it's just mm. a circle. I would just throw the main objection that I get at you. You know, people will say, oh, but Mo, you're happy because you're successful. Yeah, but you worked your ass off for that, right? Yeah, but I'm, at the end of the day, people will then say, look, you know, until I'm successful, I'm not going to be happy. But then good luck getting successful because you're going to be surrounded by <laughs> negative people. You're going to be surrounded by not the best version of yourself too, right? So it's like, I, str I truly believe in getting to that peak state 
of who you are. And to me, a big part of that is being joyful, being grateful, being happy. And um, if you want to wait until you reach a certain point to be that person, A, I think it's going to take a lot longer to get there if you get there ever. And B, like you say this all the time, like the goalpost moves. Mm. So once you get there anyway, you're going to want something else anyhow. So like, don't wait to be happy. Don't wait to be joyful. Don't wait to be grateful because as soon as you get your goal, you want something else. It's like how we were, we were built this way, right? Like we're both spiritual people, right? Like God created us to want more. Like, you know, that's something spoken about in the Quran and so many like hadiths, like we are created to want more. So we'll never be satisfied. So just be happy now. Be joyful mm. now. So that's another paradox. Why? Because you're spiritual. <laughs> you're, you're, you're constantly working on your spiritual, mm. almost religious side. Yeah. And look at how uh, fancy looking you are <laughs> and <laughs> fun loving you are, which seems, I actually disagree 100%, mm -hmm. which seems to be like the sometimes that religions, not just Islam, religions yeah. will say, don't do that. Be grumpy here in life so that you have a better yeah. afterlife. That's an interesting paradox, mm. isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is an interesting paradox. And like my mom is very spiritual. She's very religious and she's very simple. She doesn't dress up much. She doesn't wear makeup or anything. She's just like, she thinks we're all built to just do charity all day. And I'm like, but I have to work to get the money to, to give the charity. Like I don't have a machine, you know, like this is how I'm, you know. So I think it's okay to enjoy life. And I think God also wants you to enjoy his blessings. He wants you to enjoy the arch that we have, what we create together as humans. So I, I believe that we we should enjoy. I used to have a lot of guilt, mm. um, spending money, being flashy, because my parents are that way. My parents are very simple. So I used to feel almost guilty, and I want to like be like more simple all the time. But then I realized like you got to embrace who you are. I'm a wild like card. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I, since I've been like a little girl, I've always liked really flashy, fun colors, textures, bling. Like I just love these things. It's my character, you know. So I'm gonna embrace that. But at the same time, I want to be a charitable person, a person who gives back, someone who supports. So I think you can be both, you know. And I think we should all embrace that. We should all be both if we want to be. If you want to be simple, be simple. But I like being glamorous you know that's a big part <laughs> it's how I was raised actually it's my mom's fault she put me in the beauty pageant since I was a kid so like my my kid photos are like dressed up with pearls and like makeup and hair and like <laughs> like I grew up that way how do you feel if someone told you sometimes that they didn't like how you looked or something it's okay they say that all the time kind of paradox right? yeah some people say that all the time on Instagram and it's okay I'm yeah. all right with that is that true yeah you don't care no it's their rights. If they don't like my perfumes, I get that all the time. People are like, this perfume sucks. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. It's, it's subjective. You have the right to your opinion. So I, I want to talk about perfumes for a second. Yeah. And I was hoping that we will get to that because mm. you design those things. Yeah. What is it to design a perfume? Like, isn't it like a little bit of this oil and a little bit of that oil and then you get something and you throw it away and then you, you know, change it a little bit and you get something and you go like, nice, right? Or, I mean, what is a design of a perfume? To be honest, there's a lot that goes into it. And the longer I've been in this career, which has now been like over five years, 
the more sophisticated it gets. Like when I first started, I'd have to say it was more like that. Like, okay, add my favorite notes, add these notes that I love in this other perfume, add this, add that, till we found like a combination we like. But now as I've been doing it for a while, I'm learning a lot about different notes. Cardamom, like when you mentioned yeah. that. Beautiful and perfume. We have it in our latest Is one. It? Yeah, we have it in our I latest one. I never had the perfume that had cardamom. Yeah, it's so nice. It's a beautiful note. So now I'm like learning a lot more about ingredients. So it's becoming more complex but fun because it's more challenging. Um, but I really believe perfume is art. So like if, you know, you look at our latest launch, um, Yum Pistachio Gelato. Like the bottle, it's like frosted matte green. So it's supposed to remind you of gelato like a frosted cup when you have ice cream inside the ingredients themselves are inspired by pistachio gelato ice cream but we had to also put things in it to make it more unique more complicated because if you make a perfume too simple it's kind of flat when you, you need to make it round and like the more round it is the better it lasts all day the more um, unique it will be too, you know from all the other perfumes so now I think with with time I've become better at designing something more interesting it's like art you know like I, I really believe it's it's a form of art so my art is becoming more interesting as time goes on but initially it was probably like what you're saying it was like I love rose I love vanilla I love jasmine I love this I love that let's put it all together and play a little bit but um but now it's like very intentional and takes a long time normally it takes about you know, on average, two years to launch. No way. From when you have the idea to when you actually launch. So there's a lot of work that goes into it, lots of improvements. Like the latest one I just approved um, last last week. It's something for end of next year. End We've, of next year? End of next year. We just approved it. I've been working on this for over a year already, and we modified it over 100 times. So like, how can you do that in something so subtle? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot so, of so, so, testing. So give me, give me a language that you use. You, you'll, you, you know, you'll smell yeah. it and then you'll say to the to the designer. Yeah, or the, the, the nose, the, the nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the nose. Yeah. To yeah. What, what will you say? Will you say, you'll say it's missing? Yeah, like a spice. Sometimes, sometimes, you know. For example, oh, I, I don't want to tell you what I'm because I don't want to give some. Don't, okay, don't. for example, I'll yeah. say something that we already launched. So for young pistachio gelato that one we we picked our 33 our 33rd modification but we also modified it probably 50 times you know because we kept playing we kept moving because when you first give the description to the nose like okay i want something that tastes like or smells like a pistachio gelato they're going to give a few suggestions you give them a lot of suggestions like your favorite notes the things you like the things you don't like um and ideas as well and there's a lot of notes like there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of notes you know like even musk there's probably over 50 types of musks like, mm. i'm not sure on the exact number but there's so many and each one has a different scent same with vanilla like there's so many types of vanilla so like with time you kind of know how one smells and even i don't want to get too technical because it's a bit boring for people watching probably not for you because you're an engineer and like you're a geek like me <laughs> but, like, out on this yeah, <laughs> but like even the way they extract the vanilla the vanilla out know, of the yeah. vanilla bean the type of method affects the smell so there's so many different complexities to getting the certain smell and also for performance. Like if you want it to smell very strong at first versus like lasting very long, like you have to have that balance. Because if something smells very strong in the opening, maybe that means it has a lot of top notes, but then does it have enough on the base to dry down and last throughout the day? So it's like, it's a lot of like physics, chemistry, 
it's engineering. You'd probably be an amazing perfume designer. I, I, <laughs> That's I used your future. To, I used, I used to and by coffee. the way, Mo's place smells phenomenal. Oh, thank you. Phenomenal. We need to thank make a happy you. perfume with you. Although Clinique, I think, has one. So <laughs> I think they have it trademarked, but we'll find solve for happy perfume. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, my ex-wife, Nibel, appreciated the smells very smells much. Smells so good in your house. So I, so I, yeah, I'm, uh, I actually, I met a, a friend the other day for the first time. So we knew of each other, but yeah. we didn't know each other. Mm. And we met at a concert of, you know, I had an extra ticket and I had two other friends coming. So I said, yeah, you can, you know, invite someone. And they said, let's invite Amy. And she hugged me for the first time because we know You're of each other. You're such a great other. hugger too. Yeah. Oh, thank you. You really are. <laughs> and, and her first sentence was, oh my God, you smell so good. You really do. I have to say this landed with me as one of the best compliments I've ever received from someone I have never met in my life. I was like, oh, that's nice. It is nice. <laughs> yeah. It is nice. And I think you definitely are a sensitive person like me. And I, I feel am, like people yeah. who are sensitive and emotional really appreciate perfumes because it's the most, it's scientific. It's the most moving sense we have it's more moving than touch well maybe not touch okay <laughs> but it's more moving than like hearing something visual like it's more moving like the sense of smell when you smell something that reminds you of someone like you're instantly like taken away yeah you know to a memory to a moment to an occasion and even if it has no relation to memory like if you smell jasmine you're going to be relaxed if you smell lavender you're going to be relaxed if you smell bergamot you're going to be energized if you smell um, apple you'll probably be energized like it's if you smell yeah. patchouli you might some people might feel sexy depends on the person what's but that patchouli <laughs> sandalwood <laughs> sandalwood oh, i mean it's actually true I, it, it's again subjective but generally speaking like woody notes are more sexy on women or on men both i or think long. so because i was I gifted so. again i was gifted a perfume once yeah by a girl i was dating at the time that had sandalwood in. I find it very sexy. Yeah, and, and I promise you, I kid you not, okay? Whenever her friends showed up and I had that perfume on, they would literally go like, oh my God, he's so sexy. It's so and I, sexy, And I'm like, yeah. what? It's, I'm, I'm the same guy that you were, you know, kicking yesterday. <laughs> and something happens with that, right? Yeah, Yeah. definitely. So I would never wear pistachio gelato. You're going to wear it. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the question. Huh? So You're going to love it. Is there any common agreement across humanity of what is nice, what is not? No. Right? Except maybe vanilla. I don't like vanilla in <gasps> perfumes. I, know, I actually know you have a lot oh, of vanilla no. in perfumes. But I'm going to change your mind. I, I, I'm going to change so your let mind. Me, let me be very open. Thank huh? you, Sam. Yeah, 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 come in. Sure. <laughs> thank you. So, so Special the, guest. <laughs> oh, thank you. We, and by the way, these both have sandalwood in it. So oh, yeah. These two. So let's not have those now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want you to try it. So, so the, 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 you know, the idea, to me, anything that is food, yeah. I don't think should be a perfume. So Just I don't, wait. I, <laughs> Just wait. I don't like vanilla. I don't like um, cinnamon. I don't <gasps> like in in perfumes. Don't like anything apple or, or in candles. By the way, in scented candles. I'm gonna cry. Is that true? I'm gonna change your mind. It's okay. Okay. It's so, okay. Right, people. Here is me. 
trying it's, it's pistachio gelato. It's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, bottle. Thank though. you. Okay, I'm trying pistachio gelato. If this doesn't work, I'm gonna have to go wash my hands and. Uh, oh and no! <laughs> okay. But let it dry down because it's got to give it some time. It's not pistachio gelato. It is it pistachio is, it gelato. Is, it, is, it is if a tiny bit of really good pistachio gelato lands on your hand after you've had a perfume of, what is this? Mm. Um, there is, uh... okay, so you see now there is a, a bit of orange change. blossom or something like that. Yes, there are some, there are some florals. We For, have a lot of flowers. Geranium, yeah. we have jasmine, we have a lot of, um, we have lily of the valley. Um, it's a very like oh, nice. complicated <laughs> fragrance. Okay, I'll we do have pistachio gelato, so pistachio with milk. We that, have it does rum. Smell like, it does smell we like that. We have cardamom. We have Turkish delight. We have we have cotton candy, marshmallow, whipped cream. Honestly, it smells so sweet. Yeah, right. It's like. Mm. I don't want anyone to bite me. That, um, well, I, there's a warning. <laughs> you might have somebody bite you. <laughs> Honestly, it, it could happen. <laughs> you know what you just did to me? What? So I've, I've always had a very, very set of scents that I loved. Okay. And they are, as everything in my life, the result of a very, very th well thought through. Because my... Whenever you smell me, it literally describes who I am. It describes that very unusual diversity of being Eastern by tradition, born here, aligning with the values here for a very long time, and then being Western educated my whole life. And so I always mix two scents, at least, at least I always wear two perfumes. One is very Western and one is very Eastern. And the Eastern tones will always have a bit of sandalwood in them, a bit of oud maybe, a bit of musk and so on. And so for the first time, you actually got me in curious to, to, be, to experiment a little Yay! bit. That's yeah. wonderful. Do you wear the same perfumes all the time? If you have three and three, so three Arabic and three sort of Western, you have endless varieties combinations yeah and, and endless combinations so you know it's funny because Kaeli I actually when I created it it was to bring east and west together that's so interesting because for me I've always loved perfume since I was a kid growing up in the states but when I moved to Dubai that was when like my mind was blown and they smell and amazing and I was like here. what is this yeah. like the concept the rituals the way people wear yeah. perfume it's like with so much intention yeah it's so like luxurious. It's so it's so cool. Mm. So um, the goal with Kaeli was like creating scents that have like inspiration from the Middle East, but making them a little bit more Western, like in the middle, mm. because I don't want it to be too polarizing where people can't wear it and then they feel like it's just too much. But I want to like share the Middle Eastern culture with the world too. So I feel like you're going to like them if you play with them. But I think experiment, like mix things together, get out I of your do, comfort zone. Yeah. I, that's, that's what I never do. So, you have to so, get out of your comfort zone. So because also when I was young, I was asthma asthmatic. I was very oh, asthmatic. Oh, really? Yeah, so I was very, very... Uh, and it went away? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. that's great. Yeah, so I, you know, I was very careful about which perfumes mm -hmm. I come near because, mm -hmm. uh, because you know, sometimes yeah. it would irritate me, basically. Uh, but I have to say... This is interesting. <laughs> really? I'm so happy. Can I, I open this one? Open, open. I'm sorry, yeah, I brought these for you and I'm opening them. them now. But yeah. 
So this one hasn't launched yet. It's launching end of the month, um, but it's around the sandalwood note. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so my... yeah, yes. <laughs> both of them actually. I mean, I, I have to say this is this one of the things that you always that do has is, sandalwood too actually. One of the things you always do is that they're you're always unisex, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I I find this a bit more feminine than really. Masculine. Yeah. What was the other black one I used for elixir? Yeah, that was a little more masculine than yeah. feminine. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how I can say that, to, honestly, yeah. because how can you even define in your mind what is masculine, what is feminine? And, yeah. you know, why is a scent maybe more suitable for a ma manly man and yeah. another? Is I it think, softness? Is it I think playfulness? From what I've seen, um, the marketing around fragrances. Ooh. Do you love that one? Oh man, that is me for sure. <laughs> it's called the wedding. Yes. Oh, I have that an one. omen. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh. That wow. one's velvet santal. So I worked on that this with Hassan. This one is whiskey. It has. Um, it does have a lot of interesting notes in oh there. God. No I whiskey. I don't drink whiskey. No, <laughs> no whiskey. Really <laughs> but oh and then this God. is called silk santal. So they're both. Um, they're both with a sandalwood note. You can pair them together. They actually work really beautifully together. Um, but it's supposed to be like... Ooh. Yeah, you like it as well? Oh, yeah. Yay! I, th I think this is the kind of, uh, of thing that uh, would get women to hug me and say, oh, he's so sexy. Yeah. Yeah, which which is in a in a way is very flattering, but also very disappointing because <laughs> because stop you know, it, no, you're crazy. Some, Do you know how many girls I know who have a crush on you? Don't don't tell me that. Why? I've been pondering love and romance. I'm actually thinking of going back to being a monk. No, oh my God, yes, no, yes. you have to share yourself with the world. With the whole world? One person. <laughs> Sorry, I take that back. I spoke. Uh, but I mean, I do believe like, of course, it's there's moments and seasons to be single. You know, there's a lot of self-discovery and growth you can do when you're on your own. And there's something really special about that. But I also feel like having a partner is also very important. And having having a partner that fits the journey is very important. Very important. Yeah, True. My, my journey is very peculiar. Yeah. Very peculiar. I'm, you are I'm, peculiar. I'm, You're yeah. a very like interesting, you know, an ordinary person, which is amazing, but it doesn't mean you can't find someone who would be supporting, loving, and like happy to go on that journey with I you. I could, I could, but she wouldn't be a woman. No, I'm joking. You don't know I'm that. joking. You don't know <laughs> that for sure. You don't know. No, I mean, in a, in a very interesting way, I think it's been, it's been a very, I've been blessed with amazing women. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Okay. And I have been very generous and loving and giving and manly when I need to be, very gentle when I need yeah. to be. I'm okay. Yeah. Right? But I have to admit, and I'll say that very openly, mm -hmm. I am married to my mission. I'm married to my mission to but the point. Can't you be both? Like, for example, with Hassan. I can. I've been in relationships where the person was in competition with my my mission, mm -hmm. which did not work, of course. But then with Hassan, he's such a supportive person. He's never made me feel bad about putting my mission first. He's a man. But women can do that too. I have not found that. I would do that for Hassan. I did that in all my previous relationships, supported them 1 billion percent. Yeah. You know, if anything, I think I helped them get there faster because like with the right support, someone can make you feel... So, you know, encouraged and you have that stability, that core to keep you going. So I would have to say you just need to keep looking. 
I would have to try and change or, the topic. For- or maybe you just, maybe it's also what you're bringing out in the relationship. Because I think a woman, if you make her feel important enough. Of course I do. Then she, she will be okay. Huh? She wants more of me. Maybe you're irresistible. <laughs> no, no, but that's uh, that's wonderful in every possible yeah. way. That's that's a testimony to both of us, right? But the, maybe, but the problem is I don't have more of. But maybe, maybe it's also they didn't the people you've experienced relationships with in the past, maybe they didn't have their own mission, and I think that's so important. Could be like you know, I've I've been in relationships before where the person maybe didn't know what they were doing in their lives, felt very lost, and then seeing someone so driven so motivated can make people feel worse about not knowing what they want, right? So like mm. so you knowing exactly what your mission is, being so dedicated, so driven, so like, you know, and it's something so meaningful to you. I think someone can only appreciate that respect that if they have something to, mm. you know? So maybe it's also that. Maybe like they wanted you to fill their void they had and that's not your problem, you know? You can't fill anyone's void. They have to know what they need to figure out in their life to make them feel motivated, you know? Like, they can't throw that on you, but maybe they were. Maybe they were like, you know, maybe you just need to find someone who has a deeper mission like you. Yeah. I'm a bit speechless. I, uh, how does a woman find her mission? I think everybody needs to do soul searching to find out what their why is and spending time reading the right books, doing the right homework. And understanding yourself. And I also believe missions do evolve over time. Like I am very different to what I was 10 years ago. And I'm sure I'll be different 10 years from now. And like evolving is healthy. It's great. It's it's part of growth. But I think you need to find somebody who wants to know what their mission is. Like a lot of people, most people are fine just being ordinary, watching TV in their you know spare time, hanging out in their spare time, gossiping in their spare time, like you're clearly someone who wants to talk about ideas, not events, not people. Like you want to talk about ideas. You want somebody who's stimulated. You need to just find someone who's like your match, you know? Mm -hmm. Because if you do find someone who's mission-driven too, and it can be a different one, it doesn't have to be the same one, you know, I think they won't need you to fill a void they have. Because everybody should be looking for their mission. Because everybody will vibrate higher if they're like mission driven. So I, I, I was, uh, the first time I taught Soul for Happy was second time. I, the first time I taught, I taught at Stanford University. And then I went to Hong Kong Technical University, which is the largest technical university mm. in uh, Asia. And I, I taught there for one day, nine hours. And at the end of the day, someone walked to me and said, you did not choose this mission. I said, what do you mean? And she said, this mission chose you. Mm. And she left. Okay? <laughs> Damn. And honestly, so, so to me, that was a very, very, very serious redefinition of purpose for me. Because yeah. it seems to me that each of us wakes up in the morning and starts searching and says, I need to find my purpose. I need to find why I'm here. I need to find the mission and so yeah. on. Yeah. And it seems that it works the opposite way. It seems like my, like Ali used to teach me, mm. you know, that if you keep improving your little world, if mm-hmm. you keep working on yourself, if you keep yeah. working on your relationship to others, if you keep, you know, then you will, at one moment, you'll be ready. And when you're ready, your mission will choose you. Mm. It's, it's very, very different. Interesting. I, I, I feel that. And I have to admit my mission on AI now, for example, yeah. 
which is consuming a good 65% of my time, believe it or not. What is your mission with AI? I, I believe our world is, uh, needs a wake-up call. And what are you going to do? I can't do anything, but I think if our world is united, mm. we can. My, you know, mm. my, my entire message is very open that we are raising a new form of being. And this new form of being, if it magnifies humanity, humanity yeah. as, it, as we are now sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, so honestly, we have to improve I have humanity. to be honest. I haven't read, I haven't read Scary Smart. Smart yet. I don't know much about AI. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of like a newbie there. It is scary, like hearing about how technology is changing the future. But I feel like, you know, it's also our, our jobs to be a role model to the children, you know, exactly. the future to like live their lives. Mm. And um, you can't avoid technology, right? Like it's not going to go away. Yeah, it's inevitable. And so, also so. in our times, we were glued to the TV. We can't lie. But the TV is not as intelligent and the TV is not true. giving birth to other TVs. That's so true. so, so uh, we'll take a, a scheduled programming break here for Mona to read the book. Uh, no, but actually, if anyone has You need to educate me, please. I need some help. If anyone, if anyone hasn't read Scary Smart, I had two yeah. podcasts recently. So you, mm -hmm. if you spend two hours of your time either on the Stephen Bartlett podcast, mm -hmm. episode 252, or on uh, uh, Tom Bailey's uh, podcast, The Impact Theory, which was the last episode mm -hmm. that went super, super viral. Like, mm -hmm. so, so Stevens, I think, is now 6 million view, views yeah. or whatever. So You guys make a great duo, by the he's way. He's a fantastic, fantastic <laughs> human being. So intelligent, wow. so smart. And every time, somewhere around an hour in, I find myself answering things that I told myself, and I'm very good with my brain, I told myself I'm not going to say those things, okay? And I told myself cliches that if Stephen asks me that question, I will answer with that cliche to avoid it. And I find myself blabbering away. Oh <laughs> it's my like goodness. He's, so, he's so good okay, at it. Okay, now I need to go watch those podcasts. No, but yeah, I think I think the one with Stephen is, both are amazing. I also did one. I mean, there are quite a few coming, but uh, I would encourage every one of our listeners here to, to actually listen to my view on AI because it's a very important wake-up call. Mona, so where did all of this start? Where Which did we, part? how did you become from moving here at age 17 to starting so many businesses, being so successful at them. Oh, thank uh, you. I mean, I'm not successful at all of them. Oh, you are. I mean, no, I mean, so, overall, it's yeah. all the overall. Exactly. That's a good advice. Huh? Yeah. So one of the things that I have noticed actually about the region, especially Saudi Arabia now, that Saudi's mm. evolving and women are having their place in society in a very impressive yeah. way, is that there is a different style to a woman entrepreneur to fit in a business environment yeah. uh, that is mostly masculine by history, basically. Mm -hmm. So what, do you have any tips for a woman that wants to realize a business dream? Anything that you can remember along the path that yeah. made your life successful, the, your business life successful? I mean... To be honest. And, and hold on, sure. before, before you go there, did you guys see how I managed to switch away so elegantly from my love life? We're going to go back to that later. <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely going back there later. After, after the podcast, we were going to have that yes. over coffee. Let's do it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I think number one, I'm not successful at everything. I've failed so many times and I'm sure I'll continue failing. I think the number one piece of advice I would give to anyone is just never give up. On trying, it doesn't mean you shouldn't give up on some projects. Some projects are just not meant to be, and you have to know when to walk away. 
and move on and start a new chapter, but um, just don't give up on trying if that's what you want. You mm-hmm. know, I, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur since I was a kid. Um, you know, I grew up with very like humble beginnings. My father, you know, was a professor in the States. In the beginning, he had a green card, so he didn't even have a citizenship. So, you know, he got a very low salary supporting like a family of four or five, you know, children. So, um, you know, it was tough. And my father always told me and my sisters and my whole family, like, I can support you with your needs, your basics, but anything that you want, you have to get on your own. So I've had that mindset of like, I need to work for myself if I want anything in life. And I'm so happy that my father instilled that in me to like work hard, be dedicated and also to be independent. Like, even though I did think I was going to get married at like 18 and start a family young, I did. (laughs) I really thought so. I thought so. You know, I told my mom when I turned 18, I was like, I want to get married now, find me somebody. And like, that didn't work out, but probably a blessing in disguise. Um, but I've always wanted to work hard. And I think part of it's also like going through that little period of depression that I had at 13, falling in love with Tony Robbins and his, you know, his audiobooks, and then becoming obsessed with self-development. Like, I think that just made me look into like rags to riches stories, learn about how people made something out of nothing. And I've always looked up to entrepreneurs because like they're problem solvers and they're creating something out of nothing. And I find that a bit magical. So I've always been obsessed with entrepreneurship, even when I went to university. Like, you know, I told my dad when I decided to go to college, like I wanted to study fashion because I knew I always wanted something creative. I love like art, creativity. He was like, do finance. He's like, you know, you need to have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was like, no, you're not going to do fashion. You're going to do finance or something that like you can have to fall back on in case it doesn't work out. And my, my dad is very risk adverse. He's never had a business. He's always been a professor. You know, he's always had to have something that had stability because he didn't have an option to like experiment growing up. So I did study finance and I'm happy I did because it it taught me a lot, which I'm sure if I didn't have that backbone, I probably would not be where I am today. But I always knew I wanted to work for myself. Like my first real job, like I got my, my first job at 14, but I was like working in restaurants, like the average American job in high school, restaurants, clothing stores, like ice cream stands, like any job I could get, I would take. But when I had my first career job, it was in investment banking. And I knew like by the first month, I was like, this is torture. I, I can't work in a company where you're one number of like tens of thousands of people. Like I just felt lost. I felt like I didn't make an impact. I felt like I wasn't driving anything. I was just like, I could do nothing and they wouldn't even know. Like, it's just so boring. (laughs) Like I'm a hungry person. I like, I like to do, I like to make impact. And, um, yeah, I, I think understanding yourself is important. I think my core, my core values are spirituality, connection and achievement. So I'm obsessed with achievement. Like I like to do things like even on my time off, I like to watch podcasts. I like to watch documentaries. I like to learn, you know, I, I don't like doing nothing or just watching Netflix. Like it's just not who I am. And I think part of it was like the wiring of my parents. Like I think all of us are, you know, part of our upbringing, right? Like my dad is a workaholic because he had to be. My mom is very religious. So between the two of them, they like really shamed us for having fun. <laughs> like if we were ever like, if I was ever like, oh, I want to go to the movies with my friends, my dad would be like, flashlight. <laughs> like, you're going to be a failure in life. And I was like, really? I just want to go to the movies. And he was just like, yeah, like, so I think, I think that's part of it too. Like, that's part of why I'm so driven. I don't know how to switch off, but I also don't want to anymore. Like, I, I like being productive. 
So do you think switching off has merits as well? Now I do switch off, but it's like to reflect, you know, to look at myself. To I feel like I'm looking in the myself. mirror. Really? Oh, yeah. I feel that way a lot when you talk to you. I'm like, yeah. the same person. <laughs> like, it's, so, it's so interesting because I actually, so I have been watching Netflix recently, but you can easily see my fingers going to the documentary section. Mm, right? Same. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's, it's almost, I mean, of course, there's always a place to watch like a, a car fantasy show or, a or fantasy something. or whatever. My therapist actually made me do that once. She was like, Forced you need you to, to start watching series just for fun. She's like, stop watching to learn. And I was like, no. But learning is fun. I know. It? I said that too. Yeah, but she's yeah. like, no, you just need to watch something just because like without an intention to like get something out of it. That, that's, like, that's my stand-up comedies. So I, I, I watch stand-up too. Yeah, sta stand-up comedies are like a, a staple. Same, uh, I love yeah, them. Four times a week, five times a week yeah. before I go to bed. I love them too. Yeah. But I, yeah. I don't like the rude ones, but I like it. There are so many good ones, actually, now. When you're working so hard mm -hmm. and you're succeeding sometimes, you're failing sometimes, do you see any finish line at all? No. Interesting, right? Yeah. Very interesting. So one of the things that is very common across many of the people that I know are very successful mm -hmm. is they don't have that goalpost yeah. that keeps moving. So, so I actually, people think that I'm working for 1 billion happy to try and get to 1 billion. Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't, I'm, I don't care really. If I get to another 50 million to 5 billion, I don't know. Okay. It's, sure it's, it, yeah. Or if I continue, I think it's quite interesting that most of the people that I know that are very successful are working because one, they love what they do. Two, they feel that they're making a difference. And three is because they want to be able to do the best that they can. Yeah. And the best that you can, interestingly, keeps improving the more you do the best that you can. Absolutely. No, I agree with you 100%. And um, yeah, you have to have a mission bigger than yourself, right? Like your mission is super clear. Like you want to make people happy, which is such a beautiful mission. Like I commend you for that so much. Best um, mission ever. Best mission. Ever. The best. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I'm not going to lie, there was a period in my life where I felt like empty and like, especially... When there was a moment, you know, when we, we raised capital, we had a moment where we had like an opportunity to retire basically from like a financial perspective. And at that period, like all of us, the whole family kind of was like, we went through a phase of like, why are we working so hard? You know, like why? And then you had to search for meaning, which is hard. Mm. And then I was like, why am I working so hard? Why am I still going? Why don't I just retire and like go to different beaches, different times of the year and just relax, take it easy. Like if now I don't have to work hard because my whole life I felt like I had to, and then it became a choice. And then I had to search for something bigger than myself. And then some, at some point it was like, oh, I want to work hard for my team. I want to give back to my team. I want to make sure they have a great life and like be, to be able to pay well, to be able to like give insurance, the best insurance, the best healthcare, pay for their children's education, like things like that was meaningful to me. And that gave me a sense of purpose at some point. And then I wanted more too. And I was like, what am I searching for? And figuring out your why is, it's hard, but um, you need to do it. I realized I love making people feel good. <laughs> like I love it. It drives me. Mm. So I do feel like through fragrance, I am making people feel good because it's a very emotional thing. And, and I do see a lot through like content, our community, people are like your perfume makes me feel so sexy or happy or whatever. And that makes me feel happy. But I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I'm like, what am I going to do that's more meaningful in five years or 10 years? And I do have ideas, but I also feel like 
right now I'm where I need to be. You're amazing. You're amazing. It is so, it's again, so paradoxical. Why? By the way, paradox being, yeah. you know, being paradoxical is the, is the core of the feminine. So, so the main, main, when, when I'm looking mm. at, you know, to understand the feminine, mm. the number one and the number two, probably equal one yeah. is flow and the other is paradoxical thinking or paradoxical mm. being. The idea of you being so driven, but also mm. driven for good. Okay. The idea of you not knowing, but still trying. These are very interesting ways of living. It's so, so, so inspiring. Do you believe that you're more Eastern or Western? I don't really feel like I fit in anywhere except yeah. Dubai. Because <laughs> that's is where both, isn't it? I, I feel like that's where nobody fits in. Like yeah. Dubai is the land or of everybody. misfits. Everybody yeah. fits in because yeah. like not fitting in makes you fit in. Like yeah. Dubai is the land of like... You know what's my favorite thing about this city? Truly and honestly, you know, you go to any cafe and there is a a woman in a mini skirt mm. sitting next to a woman in abaya yeah. sitting next to a woman in a sari sitting mm -hmm. next to a woman in a, a, in, a, in a you know business attire so amazing and they're all you know talking to each other mm -hmm. and nobody's judging anyone mm. and they're all good friends so and inspiring I absolutely love it when, me too when, when ali habibi was alive he went to school we came back and forth and traveled and changed you know i was changing mm. career all the time and we, he came back to school and then a few days later he says, Papa, I met someone at school. He seems to be a very good friend. And I was like, uh, who? And he said, Max. And I said, typical out conditioning. Yeah. I said, and where is Max from? Yeah. And Ali answered and said, he's from my classroom. <laughs> and, and I said, Aww, no, no, I meant which so country cute. is he yeah. from? And his answer was so eye-opening. He said, I don't know and I don't care. Should I care? Okay. I was like, so cute. no, baby, you shouldn't care. Actually, <laughs> I'm wrong. You should not care at all. Yeah. I think this place is is a bit like that. But I, yeah. the reason for my question is I was wondering if you believe you would have succeeded more if you had stayed in the U.S. Because the U.S. is such a much bigger market. I don't think I'd be where I am today at all. If you I wasn't so? here in Dubai, no. What, why? I find Dubai very inspiring. Mm -hmm. Like to me, I'm I'm so inspired by Dubai. To me, Dubai is a startup. Like Dubai is like mm, a true. company and I feel like I benchmark a lot of my values on Dubai values. It's like, it's about continuously improving the city. It's about kindness. It's about happiness. They have a happiness minister. Like they're so cutting edge. They're so innovative. They're like, their standards are so high. They're always pushing themselves to grow. So I think a, I was inspired by living here because it's like every year it was growth. B, I think one thing Dubai teaches you is like nothing's impossible. Mm. Like I think just having that limitless thinking is very inspired by Sheikh Mohammed before his time, Sheikh, Sheikh Rashid, you know, like I think they're so powerful. They're so driven and still humble and down to earth, you know? So like I, I find them very inspiring and, and also setting up a business here as a Muslim, as a person of color even though I'm, I don't have much melanin for an Arab girl but like it's a lot easier than being in the states you know is that true I think so mm. even as a woman I think you're actually more encouraged as a woman here in Dubai like there's so much women empowerment here it's not everywhere in the U.S. like I grew up in towns I didn't grow up in a big city I grew up in Dartmouth Massachusetts Cookville Tennessee like I didn't grow up in LA or New York so like I don't think I would it definitely wouldn't be here if it wasn't for 
moving to Dubai. Big statement. Yeah, I mean, for there, sure, there 100%. A, there was a statistic recently that actually the highest ratio of women entrepreneurs to women population in the world is in Saudi Arabia. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, in, in a way, of you may think about it and say, it's because they had no way in the, in, you know, 10 years ago, yeah. a woman had no way of, uh, of actually working right. full time in a, in a normal mm. corporate environment. Mm -hmm. So they started their own thing, Yeah, but it is also quite, uh, quite eye opening to see how yeah. I, I, I tend to believe, and I don't know, I don't want to be quoted on this, but right. I tend to believe that in the next 10 years, the places that will have the highest ratios of women in power will be the Middle East. I have no doubts. Yeah. Especially like Dubai, um, the UAE. Like I feel like Dubai is kind of leading the frontier, right? Like mm. they are the ones who are setting the standards for the Middle East, the GCC. You know, they're very like progressive. Mm. So I have no doubts for that. How good is your Arabic? Mushtin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, um, that in, Arabic said, <laughs> in Arabic, that meant not that good. Not good. <laughs> I, and, and it wasn't said very well. She was just, just no, agree. It's, it's really not Zayn. Yeah. That's Iraqi. Yeah but, yeah, but you too, you know, you were, like, <laughs> you were like a little struggling with it. So, uh, yeah, fine. We'll, we'll yeah, give, my Arabic's we'll, really bad. We'll give you that I'm one. working on it, kind of. Are you really? I mean, not really, but I should. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I do here and there, but not enough, no. Yeah, I think that's the, I think that's yeah. the spoiling part of it. I know, I want to be don't... on your, can I say your Arab podcast? Oh, are no, you keeping that a no, secret? No. Oh, sorry, I could cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going to cut it out. So, uh, yeah, for, for our listeners, uh, I've actually been contemplating having a, a podcast in Arabic, which. Uh, they do? Yeah. So. Uh, Maybe I'll come on and practice my Arabic so it could be like yeah. the most disliked <laughs> podcast. Yeah. No one will no, understand it, a word. It's going, it's going to be good, but it will be a massive nightmare. People just for make the fun editor. of me the whole time. No, no. Yeah. We'll, we'll, you'll say a sentence and then we'll correct you and then you'll say it again and we edit the first yeah. one. Yeah. 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 I think Pretty that much. would work. <laughs> Mona, you're. Truly wonderful in every possible way. I I really don't know if our listeners will get the same radiant joy uh, that one feels when you when when I'm You're around so you. But uh, I wish you all success because I know for a fact that when people who are good at heart, beautiful souls are successful, they'll make our world better. Aww, and you are you. one of those. You're one of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, thank, thank you so you. much. I appreciate for being you here. so much. I don't want to leave. Can I stay? <laughs> yeah, of course you can stay. <laughs> I'm like, is our chat over now? <laughs> it passed too fast. <laughs> yes, it, uh, we, oh. we will stay. But for all of you listening, you can leave us now. All right. uh, I just wanted to introduce you to one of the souls that I believe is wonderful, one that makes the world better. And I don't know if you have felt that the lightness of this conversation also does not make it void of a lot of wisdom. So I would actually encourage you to, especially if you're a woman, to look back at this conversation, listen again, because Mona embodies what I have been advocating for a very long time. So, so I tend to believe that unfortunately in our hyper-masculine world, we force women to act masculine in order to succeed. That's very true. And I think Mona, one of the reasons we're very close is that she's fully in her feminine. And that is the reason for her success. Of course, there is always a time 
when you need a bit of masculine skills, managing finances or, or running the business with assertiveness and so on. But that doesn't mean you lose your essence. And I think your essence of joy, your essence of playfulness, your essence of uh, empathy for your users are, Can believe it or not. Can I just say something yeah. before we close? Because that's such an important topic. And um, funny enough, I used to like really block my feminine energy before like three years ago, before I went into therapy. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because like you said, that's probably a reason behind my success. And before that, I was always hitting like roadblocks, always like running into the wrong decisions, making the wrong decisions. Um, but it was like when I found out my feminine energy was unblocked and when I worked on unblocking it, How like my life it? changed. I did a lot of therapy. So part of it was like watching drama <laughs> shows oh, on yeah. Netflix. One of them was like making a playlist of my favorite songs, singing, drawing, dancing, um, dancing you know, creating. Mm. Also just understanding why I didn't, why I blocked it before. You know, I used to have a really big problem receiving used to have a problem expressing my emotions, expressing myself in general, but especially my emotions. I used to just have like a complete blockage. So when I started working on that and changing myself, I feel like I I had almost like a disconnect with my gut before that. Like I had no connection. There was like mm. zero connection. So I never used to like even have my intuition. My intuition was blocked before. But after I unblocked my my chakras, like my throat chakra and all these other chakras, and also unblocked my feminine energy blockage, I feel like my life changed and like things went into flow. So it was magical. So everybody watching, you've got to do that. It's so important. Yeah. I have to admit, this is definitely one of the most valuable sentences that have ever been said on this podcast. Really? And I mean, and I mean that in a very, very serious way. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a, I am a huge believer that all of the problems we have in our world today is because of a similar imbalance of the masculine and the feminine that you experienced mm-hmm. at an entirely global level. I think our whole world has blocked its feminine. I agree. And and I think completely. And I think the biggest the biggest challenge for me is that those who are archetypically feminine, if you want, are blocking themselves. Mm-hmm. So, so as a matter of fact, I know more gay men mm-hmm. that are uh, that allow themselves to be more feminine mm-hmm. than that than women, right? Yeah. And I think the reality is there is a way to go through that process. I I went through it myself, and I you know my entry point was flow. Okay, and you can do exercises to find flow. Right? Why don't you tell me? You, you, yeah, I mean, yeah, so, I did so, some of my own, but I'd love to know what you did. So, so for for me, flow, uh, uh, believe it or not, I, and I don't know if I have ever shared this. So, I believe that analytical thinking is masculine. Okay, guys, you're going to have to stay a little longer. So that's okay. <laughs> so, analytical thinking is on the masculine side. That doesn't mean that only men have it, because male and female is biological. That's right. right? Masculine and feminine is every one of us. Exactly. Right? And I think that's part of it too. Is like I think one reason why everybody has energy is blocked is like the education around it. Absolutely, conditioning. You know, hundred percent. Um, like we don't know what that even means. Like I remember when I, because one of our fragrances is called Sweet Diamond, and I was like, this is feminine energy in a bottle. And people mm-hmm. are like, what does that mean? I thought you said your fragrances are gender fluid. And I was like, they are. Like everybody has feminine energy. Absolutely. You know, and this is like an ode to feminine energy because it's strong and sweet. It's soft and hard at the same time. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but um, people don't even know what that means. And like, even though I'm a very like soft, spoken person and etc like people thought 
you've always been feminine. I'm like, I look You're feminine, I speak feminine, feminine course, but yeah. I used to be operating my masculine 100% before therapy because I was always like the problem solver. I was always the person who wanted to solve everybody's problems. I hated receiving. I only wanted to give. So I was like, I, so but, much but imbalance. But wanting to give is part of the feminine. But so, receiving is also part of the feminine. Like I wanted yeah, to provide for yeah, everyone, you yeah. know? Providing like, is different. So yeah, I wanted to, to yeah, provide, yeah, I different. wanted to protect, I wanted yeah. to problem solve. I wanted, to be, I wanted to be the hero all the yeah. time, you know, yeah. and I never allowed anyone to be that for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I had to work on that and working on that changed my life. So, so let, let's extend this conversation a little bit, guys, because I think this, is a, very, this, is, this is a very important one. Yeah. So let's share practices, you mm-hmm. and I, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what exercises you did to unblock your feminine, what exercises I did to unblock yeah. mine. I, I unblocked my flow. For the first time, it was very eye-opening, and I know it sounds really weird, but the first time I discovered my flow was during playing a video game, okay? So I was, I'm, I'm a very, very serious video gamer. Most of my listeners know that. I play Halo. I play like an like a professional athlete. Wow. I'm an Olympic champion level. What? No, no, no. I literally, That's so cool. Literally am. So, oh I, I, so out of every million players, two have the chance to beat me. They won't every time but all of the others won't have a chance to ever beat me, right? And I'm very good at it because I play like a woman. I I play in my feminine, honestly, right? So I was playing Halo 4 level one. I remember that vividly because Halo as a game is a game that actually uses a lot of very, very realistic physics. So in, in Halo, if you shot an enemy, the gun will fall almost as if it falls in the real world. The exact gravity with the slopes, with everything. And so you can plan, and planning is in the masculine side of the brain. Temporal brain is in the, in the masculine side. And so I was a very strategic player until Halo 4, level 1, where you open one door around 10 minutes into the game, and you're in zero gravity. So the entire physics engine goes corrupt. So you, 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 you shoot an enemy and instead of the gun falling down, it flies in, in the air. You're, you know, you're in zero gravity, so you're jumping and you can't hear sounds, you can't, right? And it's a very unusual experience where you suddenly have to dance. Oh my God. Right? You suddenly have to listen to the rhythm of oh, the I thought game. you were meant really dance. I was like, wow, this is a cool <laughs> game. <laughs> I, I did. And, and it's really so cool. interesting because for the first time as a gamer, I actually had to tune into and flow with the reality of the game rather than think two steps ahead, okay? And, and once I did that, I was literally a whole level of, of difficulty higher. I, I started to play Legendary and beat every game because I could tune into this. And then I started so to unlock my, and that was the discovery, to unlock flow for me. I started to have uh, New Year's intentions that were all about a full year of flow. I had, for example, I told myself I will live every year a full month in a city or a, or a village that I've never been to before. I would never book my hotel until I landed in the, in the city that I'm going to. I, would, I had a long time, three years in a row, where I would not book my next destination. I was completely nomadic uh, until one evening before I'm leaving. And, and it's, you know, all of that was sort of dismantling my masculine planning, planning, yeah. right? Oh my and, gosh. and then more and more, as you start to realize that life has better plans for you than your masculine brain, you start to flow, you start to love it. Right. And then I started to even have years of what I call flow and joy. So I would flow 
and at the same time enjoy the flow because it wasn't just about responding to life with a yes, but also savoring it, right? It's really incredible. And that this was, I believe, the very first opening for my feminine side. And then it all rolled from there. Your That's turn. That's amazing. I mean, I have to say, based on what you said, I think you've done more than I have, um, which I'm like, I need to do that because I plan, I overplan everything. I'm so bad at just letting things go and flowing in that state. For me, it was like just the basics of like feeling your feelings. Like I used to suppress my feelings so much. I would never allow myself to feel anything. So just starting with like processing my emotions, speaking about things that are not I don't want to say not important, but like before I would never even just talk about my feelings. I would just talk about work, problem solving. Like I would never just talk to talk. So it's just like expressing yourself because I do think expression is a big part of your feminine energy too. Mm. So it was like the basics. I haven't got to your level yet. Oh, no, no, like, no. I was just like unlocking the door of like the basic feminine energy that you should have. Like asking someone to get me a drink at a party like instead of being like hey can i get you something like i'd always want to do everything for everyone yeah i would never like if a guy wanted to do anything for me i would say no like i was just never allowing anyone to like do things for me i do things for everyone so i think i'm a bit basic still but so um, so can i ask you a question when you you're not at all by the way feelings is the other gateway right mm -hmm. so 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 when when you say you allowed yourself to feel your feelings Mm -hmm. Isn't that what they always tell us will make us less efficient at work? I disagree because especially if you're a decision maker, and we're all decision makers, right? Like every single person in a company, in a team, you're making decisions together. I think you can only make better decisions if you're feeling your feelings because your feelings to me are your compass in life. And they help you find out when there's an issue. They, They tell you things and... For the longest time, I used to suppress my feelings. I think because I'm a highly sensitive person, super emotional. And as a child, like, you know, you're taught not to be too emotional. Like, you know, if you cry over small things, if you if you feel like someone's off, like I think I'm an HSP, like a highly sensitive person and like a Hayoki empath. I don't know if you've read about that. What's it's like, that? it's a type of empath where like you really feel other people's feelings to an extent like... If someone's oh. had a bad day, you know they've had a bad day. Like you're you're in other people's feelings almost. So of course, as a child, like I was always told not to feel that way because you know people want to protect you. They think you feeling other people's feelings is a bad thing, or being too sensitive is a bad thing. Now I've realized it's actually a gift, and I think everybody has it in them. Some people maybe a little bit more than others, but everybody has the ability to be sensitive. But a lot of people have blocked that part of themselves. And when you block that part of yourselves, you end up making bad decisions because you're not listening to your intuition. You don't trust your gut. And honestly, when I was going through a period of reflection, which was funny enough, like right before COVID, end of 2019, early 2020, I started my therapy journey and I started reflecting a lot because I went through so many bad mistakes, like career-wise, relationship-wise, personal, like just so many bad things happened. And I was like, damn, I really need to assess myself because I'm working my ass off, but I'm running into one issue after another. Something's wrong here, you know? And then after doing a lot of reflecting, I realized the underlying like reason behind all my big problems was A, letting small things turn into big things. Why did I do that? A, I wasn't expressing myself. B, I wasn't listening to red flags. See, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling my feelings. I'd lock, I'd block them all out and lie to myself. So once I like assessed myself and did that self-discovery and then started doing the work to like changing that pattern, like my whole life changed. 
you know? It's, uh, you know, when you, when you talk about it, I think the miracle, the miracle of feminine intelligence, which again is very badly discussed in the world because people associate intelligence with analytical linear thinking, which is useful at work, right? Yeah. Uh, again, as I unlocked my feminine, I became so much smarter, honestly, so much smarter, simply because of what you're saying. Sensations, feelings, emotions, intuition mm -hmm. are all on the feminine side. Absolutely, and they're ideas, all, like and, creative yeah, ideas. Creativity, playfulness, yeah. right? All of those are inputs that you use your analytical thinking to analyze, right? And if you don't, and if you block those, you're sort of telling yourself, okay, I'm gonna analyze two parameters out of seven and try to come up with the best answer. That's crap. By definition, you're going to come up with the best answer for the two parameters. But if you include seven or eight more, and you know, of course, women or the highly feminine people will know that uh, for you, it's not eight more, it's around 800 more. <laughs> you're sensing everything, you're feeling everything. And, and suddenly, if you include that into your approach to, to decision making, to thinking, to analysis, to whatever, you become so much smarter. You know, the, the one that actually wrote this very well was, even though he wrote, didn't write it this way, it was Malcolm Gladwell, Blink. I don't know if you read that book, but Blink was basically saying in one sentence, enable your your feminine intuition, enable your, this incredible oh, machine. I have that book, I haven't read it. Oh, it's should. one of my really? favorites of all time, yeah. Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell in general is yeah. probably one of my top three authors. Wow. Yeah, you know, if you, he was basically saying, if you just let go of that analytical brain for a while and just yeah. use your, your, uh, your intuition, your other brain, if you want, your gut feeling. Yeah, and you know, both energies are important. Like I know some people who just live in the feminine, do whatever they feel like doing, never have a plan, like mm -hmm. just completely too emotional to an extent where it's also off balance. So like, I think the key is balance, you know, like. Yeah have both, use both to their powers. They're both 100%. so powerful. Or, or situational. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, so sometimes you need to be in your feminine, sometimes you need to be in your masculine. Exactly. You, you, you said your therapist also said to play more? Play more, yeah. Did she? Yeah. 100% feminine, She's yeah. like, just play, have fun, do like, go to a, you know, get some paint and like paint on a canvas, like do things that like just bring you joy without any intention of like anything else. And... It was hard. It was hard to do <laughs> was that. Was it really? I swear to God, it was, it was so hard. It was hard. It was just go, not what I'm wired to do. No, no, not, I don't want to do that. It's not how I'm wired. You know, my whole life, I've been a workaholic forever, mm. you know, so it's not my nature. But I, I realized, like, doing this makes you better at everything else. Oh, and yeah. balance is so important, right? Like, life is short, like... Yeah, I, I found that I found that play is definitely another, which is flow. I mean, yeah. play and flow are the same, really. Uh, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, play, in my view, is flow with joy, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's to be able to just take whatever is given to you and turn it into joy, but also yeah. turn it into creativity and yeah. turn it, right? The, the other one that worked really well is rhythm. So so I, I don't know if I can prove that with any science at all, but I found that I felt... I don't, I don't know if I can say I found that I think the, the masculine temporal brain is much more along the arrow of time. So mm -hmm. it's everything is linear. Mm -hmm. this, there is now and then there is two minutes from now and then there is mm -hmm. four minutes from now. The feminine is very rhythmic. Mm -hmm. 
So everything around being feminine is cycles, you know, biological cycles, you know, um, um, uh, emotional cycles and rhythm, four beats and then four beats and then four beats or whatever, is actually quite in energizing for the feminine. So music, dance, and rhythm, I found, uh, would release or would empower a lot of the feminine. So That's interesting, because one of my therapists told me after a session, because it was a pretty intense session, she's like, now go turn on some music and dance. And I was yeah. like, why? And she's like, just do it. Just trust me. You need it to like, do this right now. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Yeah, did you? Yeah. Are you, are you a good dancer? I mean, I like to think I am. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I try. Who can be I'm the Iraqi. judge? I'm of- <laughs> Iraqi. Like, okay, that says it. Like- <laughs> that says it all. Yeah, she's a very good dancer. <laughs> Iraqis, Iraqis, Turks, Iranians, and Lebanese. I think that's all my na- that's all my ethnicities, by the way. Are you all of them? Yes, I am. Yeah. Oh my God! Tell me yeah. how you keep yourself together. I don't know. Uh-huh. Like all the troubled countries with drama, <laughs> and my husband's Sudanese. I'm like. Nicest, <laughs> nicest <laughs> All the people drama. I know. ever. Yeah. Like, I swear to God, are. I mean, I'm so sad for what's happening know, in Sudan. I know, it's so sad. But, but they are the sweetest humans on the so planet. Kind. That incredible smile all the time. Yeah. The kindness. You know, when I, when I, I, I remember vividly, you know, I, of course, when you grow in one country of the Middle East, you don't get mixed with the Middle East. Yeah. And when I first went to uh, Abu Dhabi, when I moved mm-hmm. to, to, to the UAE, and there is a big Sudanese community mm-hmm. there. And then after Juma prayers, you go to prayers and then you can easily tell the Sudanese, not yeah. by, by the way they look, yeah. but because everyone hugs everyone. Yeah. And it's such a long hug yeah. with a huge smile. It's true. It's like, ah, Hassan. <laughs> and then they hug and they wait and yeah. they hug. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it is. I, I, hope, I hope things get better. Should we close here or keep going i mean i could talk to you forever <laughs> i can talk to you forever. literally forever yeah it's um it's been a you're joy such a, you're such a beautiful soul you are too my darling you're wonderful in every possible way uh so yeah you guys can go now i think that's <laughs> <laughs> we're done this time can do chapter two yeah exactly we're going to probably come back and talk again yeah. another day but uh for now i as i said i think uh i think mona really represents an example of how success can happen in love, in relationships, in being a daughter, in being successful at work by being feminine. It really makes a huge difference. So maybe listen to the subtleties in the tones of the words and the answers and and see a role model that I believe is, is an example of how to succeed by being feminine. In any case, if you've enjoyed this as much as I did, I doubt very much because I have to tell you there is an aura around Mona when you're sitting next to her. If you've enjoyed this, uh, please tell others about it. Please tell others to change their point of view, their judgment about a region that they may think uh, is oppressive and unempowering because in all truth, I have met incredibly, incredibly impressive, incredible people over here. And uh, yes, uh, maybe share this with others, tell them what you enjoyed, maybe send them a link, maybe rate it five stars, whatever it is that you do that can 
helped me spread my message further will be highly appreciated. It is because of you that every week I have the chance to meet someone I dearly love or someone I have never met before, but then I end up loving them to just record a wonderful conversation for you. So with absolutely no doubt, this uh, podcast seems to be my favorite thing to do. And it's thanks to you. I love you all for listening and I will see you next time. I love you all too. <laughs> <laughs>